My Legal Club provides full legal support when you require it. Enjoy savings and rewards all year round when you don't. You do not need to be a member of My Legal Club to benefit from free legal advice from our highly recommended specialist solicitors. When you or a loved one requires legal advice and a solicitor, we can help you in every area of law. We also offer a unique alternative. Sign up to our free trial and you will receive up to 25% off legal fees, 15% off legal documents, £20 restaurant vouchers for leading UK restaurants, savings and rewards with leading UK brands, a free online will, free dash cam and much, much more. As an example of how we help our members, they have saved on average over £500 plus by using My Legal Club for personal injury claims compared to many solicitors who deduct 25% of your compensation. If you or a loved one needs legal support, contact us at mylegalclub.co.uk for free consultations and no obligation quotes with highly recommended solicitors. Sign up to our free trial to receive all the free discounts and our membership benefits. Welcome to the MLC show in association with My Legal Club. I am your host, Sean Rogers, and this is the first in a four-part series on nutrition. In this series, we're going to explore the basics, separate the facts from the myths, and wow, that's, that's a series in its own right, believe me, um, provide ideas and strategies which work in the real world for busy people where time is at a premium, whilst understanding how we can improve our mindset when it comes to sticking to good habits and improving our relationship with food and health. Today, we're going to start with the basics, and I have to admit, I struggle with the terminology and understanding the basics of nutrition, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, so we're going to explore them with an industry expert, and I am delighted to be joined on today's show by Jimmy Slomka. He's an MNU certified nutritionist, coach, and co-owner of Primal Training Club. If you want any further information, please do get in touch with Jimmy and the team at Primal Training Club uk forward slash contact and I would also recommend giving Jimmy a follow on Instagram Jimmy Slomka uh, where you'll get loads of great ideas and insights so Jimmy I was reading last year that according to the World Health Organization they say that global obesity has nearly tripled since 1975 according to the surveys that they released they say the UK has a massive weight problem they were saying in this report that two-thirds of adults are either overweight or obese, with one-third being obese. Now, 12.3 million people are at risk of developing type 2 diabetes, and the diabetes charity have now stated that they want to raise awareness of the risk factors so that people can take steps to look after their health and prevent or delay the onset of this condition and the serious complications. Now, I don't think we need surveys to tell us this because we see it all around us every day. Um, I was joking with a friend of mine that I've sort of grown up in my working life on Old Hall Street in Liverpool and one side of the cotton exchange there's a fruit and veg stall and at the other side of the cotton exchange there's a Greggs and pretty much any point in the day when you walk down the road the Greggs has got a queue out the door and the fruit and veg stall is pretty uh, accessible to say the least. Now I think there's an easy solution here, it needs another Greggs. So in all serious note, I say this as someone that has struggled with his weight and nutrition quite badly at times over the years. Um, I would probably be one of those swerving the fruit and veg stall and going for the sausage and bacon every morning. But we're in 2020 
And we all know that we should look after ourselves. We all know we should look at what we're putting into our body. We all know that we should exercise. But despite all this awareness, the unlimited resources that we've now got in 2020, um, all the access to information, the strategies, these figures are getting worse and not better. Why is that? Well, you're right, obesity is on the rise. Um, and this is partly due to the fact that we are in uh, living in an obesogenic environment. So what do I mean by that? Well, it's not largely determined by the food supply, but we have an environment where access to food is easier and access to hyperpalatable, tasty food is even easier than it was before. So going back to your point about Greg's and the fruit stall, which one are you gonna go for? Which one tastes better? Now. Like you're going to make a choice um, about food and maybe it's something you might logically think about but it's very easy to overeat food and we don't necessarily all want to overeat it's not something we would always choose to do ideally we want to eat for energy balance but if we look at some statistics um, it, it would be very easy to blame some individual macronutrient like carbohydrates or fat on the rise in obesity but it's not it's multifactorial there's many reasons why so we could, it could be, um, like, like we've talked about, the hyperpalatability of foods, um, but also there's other reasons like socioeconomic factors. Um, you, you know, there's many reasons why. We can't just blame something individually. So if we look at the stats, um, what we've seen in the past um, 20 years is um, actually sugar consumption on, on the decline as obesity has risen. So we can't necessarily attach that to sugar consumption. In, in that same period of time, actually fat intake has risen, uh, almost in line with obesity. But again, that's too simplistic to, to just blame fat. It's multifactorial. When you were saying some of the socio-economic um, factors, what would, they, what would they be? Could you expand on that? Yeah, sure. So like affordability, privilege, um, access to food, um, wages, size of family. So like, let, let's strip this right back. If you're trying to feed a family of five, um, and you're on a low income, living in a low income area, the chances are your access to food is going to be quite limited. So it's no coincidence that lots of fast food outlets are in these areas with very cheap food. And it's very easy to fill people up. The problem with that is that it's very calorie dense nutrition um, for not very nutrient dense food at the same time. So you're eating lots and lots of calories, but you're not really getting much in return other than lots and lots of energy. So it's very easy to overeat. Um, and I think sometimes when people put information out there where, you know, you should eat organic or eat local, that comes from a place of privilege. Not everyone has that opportunity, particularly when you think that there are four million families living in poverty in the UK right now. So uh, people, I think they underestimate the socioeconomic factors of food and privilege when it comes to being able to choose what diet you want to follow. So, for instance, if you were going to choose, say, veganism to follow, that's a privileged position, okay? Same as buying organic food. It's not quite as simple as that for a lot of people. Completely. The, like you said, they're not just the socio-economic factors. I think also almost whatever goes on in America comes over here. I know my mum spent, spent a lot of time in America and she was, she was telling us when we were growing up that it, when she was in America for quite a while, a bit of time in Canada, mm. they didn't eat in. Mm. It was literally cheaper to eat out, yeah. which I suppose when you see that in a short term view, not a big problem. Mm. But like you've said, if some people may not even have that much of a choice exactly. in a way because limited time, stresses and pressures, yeah. the economics of it as well. Um, I mean, 
I, I was obviously researching for the show, and I mean, some of the statistics are quite scary. I was just going to ask you, Jimmy, what your kind of immediate view is on things like this. Is, is, is this scaremongering? Is this something that we should really um, be taking seriously? I, I was reading that sugar consumption is more than double what it should be amongst 11 to 18-year-olds. Now, it's weird. I think of me as a kid, mm. an 80s kid. Mm. Yeah, I was having sweets on the way home from school and going to the sweet shop and jam, jam sandwiches when you get home from school. Mil- well, lunchtime, sort of yeah, of yeah, course, yeah, you yeah. pack lunch and everything else. Like the five a day recommendation for fruit and vegetables, they're saying that's being missed. I tell you, I wasn't doing that in the eighties, mate. I can't remember any of my mates that were doing the no. five a day fruit and veg. Maybe they would have had a Sunday roast or something like that. Um, you know, I was looking at some of the, the data on diabetes. The NHS apparently is spending 8.8 billion a year on treating type 2 diabetes, which is 9% of its budget, saying there's 200,000 new diagnoses of type 2 diabetes in England every year, and being overweight is the second biggest cause of cancer after smoking. Mm. Is this something that, in your view, is, is, is a... 2020 thing it's a millennial thing it, w- was this a factor in the 80s no yeah I, th- well, I just well obesity has continued to rise so like it's no surprise um, but there's probably a couple of reasons why it's reached a point where it, it is now and two very very simple reasons that are often overlooked and that is that we're consuming more food now than we ever did before and we're very much less active than we were before so if you let's take kids out of the equation and talk about adults first of all um, you know, if I asked you, what, what do you do when you get up for work? How do you get to work? Yeah, I mean, when I, I would be either getting the train or driving in okay. or whatever, but probably no more than a two-minute walk okay, from wherever exactly. I was. Exactly, and then what are you doing at work all day? Yeah, you're sitting in a desk, okay. partling to the toilet, partling to another okay. office. And, and then, then when you go home, you repeat how you got to work. And then when you get home, chances are, unless you're visiting the gym or act, being physically active, you're going to be sat down for most of the evening. So nobody is really burning much energy at the other side. We're putting a lot in, but we're not actually giving a lot out. So we need to get that in balance. So the stats are something like we're consuming around 700 calories more per person on average than we were 20 years ago, and we're way less physically active. And that doesn't even mean like taking part in some sort of planned exercise regime. Physical activity might just mean something as simple as walking more. People are sedentary, and you know it's, it's pretty much an epidemic. Okay. The, I mean, try not to laugh. You have my permission to laugh, to be fair, on this. So I'm going to have a little go at some of the big nutrition words because one of the things we want to try and achieve in this show today is we want to try and look at the basics. And one, one of the big hurdles I have with it is there seems to be a load of complicated words. I don't fully understand it all, and I don't understand how things um, collide, how things overlap, how it all knits together. So I know that there are two main types of nutrients, macronutrients and micronutrients. So for the people listening, the three main categories of macronutrients include carbohydrate, protein, and fat. Now, please, migrants, you said to me, give me some examples of them three things. I'd be able to do some, Mm. but there's no doubt that I'd put some foods and some items in the wrong categories. Um, The two types of micronutrients are vitamins and minerals. Now, that would I think I'd be a lot more successful on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, before I get lost any further, can you explain in layman's terms what carbohydrate, protein, fat, vitamins and minerals are and how they impact on our health? Sure. You've actually missed out the fourth macronutrient there, so, which is alcohol. As but I, I'm guessing we didn't really <laughs> want to talk about that today. Uh, but, you know, Not like me to miss extremely, alcohol. It's extremely calorie dense at seven yeah, yeah. calories per gram. So um, 
you know, it's something we should we should be aware of. Um, but yeah, in layman's terms, well, protein's primary function is to build and repair the structure of our tissues. So uh, muscle tissue, immune function, hair, skin, nails, um, it's all important and all that will benefit from sufficient protein in the diet. How important is that? So when you hear a lot about protein, in my head I've got people who are um, proper weightlifting gym maniacs is what springs to my mind when you say about mm. protein and the benefits that come from it. If you're someone who's, I don't know, suffering... Uh, joint problems, if you're someone suffering from any kind of ailment to do with your, your joints, your bones, whatever it be, can, what, can protein benefit you in them kind of ways? Because I think it's quite well advertised the benefits of protein, say, for like weightlifting or, or that kind yeah, of thing sure. in the gym. What about for people who aren't looking at it from that perspective? They're looking at it more from a well-being point of view. Well, I suppose the RDA is set at 0.8 grams per kilogram per day for protein. Um, but that was set to avoid deficiency. So that's extremely low. So if people are hitting only 0.8 on a daily basis, it's not going to be sufficient for health. So that's kind of been reviewed in the research. So current evidence would suggest that somewhere between 1.2 and 1.6 grams per kilogram per day would be sufficient for optimal health in adults. So that could be up to twice what people are currently consuming. Okay. So it's definitely important. So um, if you're like, you're a six foot male, I don't know, 13 stones, something like that, roughly, or 90 kilos, I'm something like that. I'm only working in kilograms, by the way. I okay, can't so work in we'll, stone. That's we'll all, kilos. That's all money, so if we're in, like, 90 kilos, how much protein is that then a day? So, like, well, let's take, let's take 100 kilos because it's probably easier okay, to work yeah. from that. Okay, so, um, so 100 kilos based on the old RDA would be 80 grams per day right. for a 100 kilo male. So that's quite low. Um, you could probably double that to 160 grams. Okay. Uh, and not, for, we're not talking here people for, who are like weightlifting. No, so somewhere between 120 and 160 grams for health okay. per day. But split over three meals, four meals and snacks. And, you know, you don't just get protein from meat, fish, eggs, etc. There are many other sources from protein. There are plant-based sources as well. Yeah. And obviously people can use some protein supplements for that as well. Yeah. It's important. Okay. It's, it's overlooked. I mean, when I first met you and we worked mm. with you, it was one of the first things we looked at. Oh yeah, like my when we, when we looked at your food diary. Yeah, yeah, completely. You know, I suppose from my own personal point of view, I would either be an absolute like complete and utter comfort eater, mm. and, and eat a lot of the wrong things because it tastes nice and it's quick and it's easily accessible. Or alternatively, I would almost have like not deliberately, I suppose, but a massive calorie deficit. Where I'd be one of them that would go, okay, well maybe I'll have a shake at breakfast with a banana, mm. so it's kind of on the go, and then at lunchtime try and grab. You know, I don't know, like a brown sandwich from a sandwich mm. shop or something, and maybe have a shake or something. And that, you know, that kind of thing. There was no real middle ground with mm. it, and there wasn't actually any kind of um, proper preparation yeah. in terms of thinking, what am I going to do on a on a weekly, monthly basis in terms of generally sort of calories, what I'm mm. trying to put into my body, them kind of things. So I wouldn't say feast or famine necessarily, but probably not far off that, and, and certainly pretty sort of yo-yo. Yeah. Um, in a way without there being a proper balance to that. I mean, I completely plead my ignorance here. You know, I think, I, you know, we all know about fruit and vegetables and everything like that. I mean, my, anyone who can do five a day, fair play. I mean, I even if I try my best, I really struggle with that, to be fair. Um, but it does reinforce how little I know about nutrition basics, and I suspect I'm not the only one. Um, but I think really what feeds into that is how do we lose weight mm. in that, you know, maybe we get a bit lost in looking at all the nutritional aspects and, um, 
you know, carbohydrates and proteins and fat. If body fat and losing body fat your desired goal, you know, what kind of guidance would you give from a nutritional point of view in terms of people? Yeah, I mean, like your your goal weight, um, or, or I guess most people's goal weight would, would be to manage um, a healthy body weight for life. Um, so to get to that point, if they're overweight, then they're going to need to consume less food um, than they are than the energy they're expending. So we need to somehow put you into a calorie deficit. Um, and that can be done through tracking or non-tracking methods. Um, but essentially, uh, we need to tip the scales in your favor. So um, through exercise and through diet or through either or, but generally the combination of both works very well. Um, so you can work out roughly what your total daily energy expenditure is. And then from there, we can take a small or, or medium or, or large deficit. Um, and then your rate of weight loss, stroke fat loss, will be determined by how you can adhere to your diet. So that is actually the single biggest factor when it comes to dieting, is what you can adhere to. So the principle is a, a calorie deficit, but there are many, many methods to achieve that. So you could go, I don't know, low carb, low fat, keto, vegan, paleo, Atkins, whatever you want to do, if you can stick to it, then go for it. There's really not one diet that's necessarily the best. It's whatever you can find that works best for you. Okay, because I think that's probably one of the big issues, isn't it? Is that it's the fad diet kind of thing. It's yeah. the you know the typical kind of conversation nowadays. Someone will go on any of them kind of things you mm. just mentioned, and then when they go back to let's say normal, which I accept yeah. isn't the normal, <clears throat> it's actually going back to a situation where even maybe without knowing you're yeah. overeating for the reasons you've given, you then pile more back on than you feel you already had originally. What is there any free, and I'm not I'm, I'm genuinely just throwing out there, are there any free apps or someone's listening to this, is there anything that they can do which streamlines for them how they can go, well, right, okay, you know, as an example, a free app or something where they can put in what they've eaten over the past week and they can get an idea for how many calories that was put in whatever measurements they want to put in terms of burning. Is there anything that they can do for a bit of guidance? Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, what we use with most of the people that, come through our gym doors uh, uh, is, a, is an app called MyFitnessPal. Um, it's free to use the basic functions. I think it's paid thereafter. Um, but basically what most people could do with is learning about what they're currently eating. So if they were able to keep a food diary for a week or two, track their food intake, um, you know, measure what's going in. So, you know, what you can measure gets managed type thing. Um, it's important because that will act as um, an educational tool for them. So they'll begin to understand actually what they're putting in. Um, and they may be quite surprised at the amount of food. So if we look at the research on food tracking or food reporting, we know that most people under-report by around 40%. Right. So if somebody's eating, saying they're eating 2,000 calories a day, chances are they're not. They're eating close to 3,000. Are they doing that because they... It's not necessarily intentional. It, right. could, be, it could be knowingly or unknowingly. But the point is that research was also given to dietitians, and dietitians were under-reporting by 30%. So even the people giving the advice <laughs> can't get it right. So actually learning how to understand food intake, um, re you know, recording it all down, maybe for a couple of weeks, might give you more of an informed position to start from. Okay. So nutrition, healthy eating. Certainly for me, I think it feels a bit overpowering. Um, it also in the past felt very complicated, to be honest, in that um, I think it's hard to know what to believe. I think it's hard to know who to believe. And in so many walks of life, 
you know, you believe in shortcutting. Um, nowadays, you know, if you break something, you don't necessarily need to get it fixed. Like, dare I say it, when you were growing up, mate, or when I was growing up, you know, mm. the channels one, two, and three, and four on the TV, there's one for the kids. You know, the TV breaks, you fix it, don't you? you give it a good whack and you don't yeah. ever get rid of it. Now, we've all got shortcut methods and, and quick solutions. Um, you know, I would say back in the day, I haven't got the money, I haven't got the time, I haven't got the brain space to comprehend, understand, and all this. I want to eat and drink stuff I like, which is convenient, cheap, easy. Um, and it's easy to say I should do something. Um, and I can then live in the future. So if I'm upset about my present situation with eating or um, understanding better how to look after what I put into my body, as an example, I can probably look to the future and feel happier about it because I go, well, I'll do it then or I'll do it in the future or whatever. Um, how do we say, no, this is now a must, not a should, and I'm gonna change this today. I'm wondering what your recommendations would be to someone who's listening to this and is thinking, where do I start in terms of, instead of saying I'll do it tomorrow or next week or next month, I'm gonna make some lifestyle changes today in terms of what I eat and in terms of how I live. What would you? Yeah, advice be? I mean, if you want sustainable lifestyle change, then you're going to have to make some um, changes to your behaviours. So forming new habits. Some habits can take, I don't know, a very short space of time to, to kick in and become automatic and others can take, you know, up to a year. But you've just got to keep plugging away. But I would start small and work on one thing at a time. So if that was something in your diet, then maybe something like looking at your protein intake and maybe increasing your protein intake or something as simple as... What would be the benefit of that as well, Jimmy? Like if you increase... I've seen various bits on this. Yeah. Like if you increase your protein intake, um, is that just literally for the benefit well, of... of you know, almost healing and muscle growth, or does it benefit in other ways? Does it make you less hungry? Well, or? So yeah, basically, it's you become more satiated from eating protein, but um, at the same time, um, it's going to support muscle preservation when you diet. Um, but also, one of the biggest things about following a high protein diet is that it basically is spontaneous calorie reduction. You're going to eat less if you eat more protein in your diet um, because you're going to feel fuller for longer um, across a period of time which is why we recommend you know, people hit a certain amount of grams per day or you know, give them some guidelines to hit. Can you give us an example of like what you do, Jimmy? And you, you know, you're really busy, you've got kids, um, you've got a really busy working life. You know, I see on your Instagram, you're on your bike at half mm. five in the morning. You know, there are some nights you can still be working seven, eight o'clock, you've got to rush off and get the kids. You live them, you know, a, a busy, active life where you're taking them out all the time. Doing, you know, you, to me, Mm. Of what I know of you personally and what I see of you on social media, you're absolutely non non-stop, mate. Um, I can assure you I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> what what does a roughly what does a week look like to you in terms of you you're not, maybe you do, but I doubt you're using a tracker. I doubt that you're um you know, following it religiously. Like, I've got no doubt that you go out with the kids and enjoy yeah. a pizza or enjoy a KFC or sure. go and enjoy an ice cream with the kids. A few beers, yeah. exactly, mate, yeah. So what does a week look like for you? How, what's your, what does a typical day look like for you? And when you do just have a, have a bit, not time off, when you just go and enjoy stuff with the kids or whatever it be, you're not religiously living like a monk. Mm. What, what does a, a day or a week look like to you food-wise? Well, I think like being flexible is the key, really. But like 
there's probably a mis big misconception that personal trainers or gym owners train all the time. I don't. I literally train maybe three times a week at the moment. Um, I don't sleep very well. I've got two young children. Um, one of them just doesn't sleep well at all. Um, so I don't recover that well from my training. So um, I tend to use my bike or walk, walk to work to up my physical activity level, which improves your health anyway. In fact, just by increasing your steps from maybe seven and a half thousand to 10,000 a day. So increasing your daily step it by two and a half thousand uh, steps a day can improve uh, cardiovascular risk by 10%, so reduce it, which is huge. Yeah, so massive. people just need to walk more. Like, you know, and if there's anything that they could probably work on, it would be something like, it just, just focus on getting more active. And even if they weren't doing that and they didn't want to work on their diet, then try and form exercise as a habit. Maybe take the focus away from nutrition. Um, because there are so many health benefits from exercise alone. Even if you weren't even losing a single pound of body fat in the gym, you're still improving your health by training, regular exercise. Um, so it's really important. And also I think what's, what's key is there are more facets to health than just the physical. There's also social, mental, emotional, intellectual health and focusing on one area and neglecting the others. So you can have abs, but you may have poor mental health. Are you healthy? No is the answer. Um, and you may have abs and you're neglecting going out with your friends because your diet dictates that you can't go and spend time with them and eat in these restaurants and have a couple of drinks. That's backward thinking in my opinion. Yeah. Like things need to be more flexible than that. Totally, I mean, I know when I, when I, was, when I was in a bad place mentally, in my life, um, I, wa I probably wasn't as active out with the kids. You know, it's funny, it was someone else when um, I said, they said to me, oh, I've been out with the kids. And I was like, in that weather? I was like, really? And they were, mm -hmm. Yeah, like, throw the wellies on, throw the, the max on or the coats on or whatever. It's only a bit of water and wind, why not? And it's like what you say there, I would probably just, probably because of a poor mental condition, to be honest, but also, just comfort in that just being in the house mm. and trying to have some quiet time would be more attractive. Whereas actually, like what you've said then, actually you've taken, if you've got kids and mm. you might not have kids, but if you've got kids or you've got the dog or whatever, you can get into great habits where virtually every night um, and certainly at the weekends, you can go on loads of walks, no matter what the weather conditions are, sure. get more, I say exercise, but certainly more movement into the kids mm. um, and, and just going on these walks. And if you haven't got kids, you know, you can just go out with your headphones on. Um, and that's something I, I've found that's been really helpful in that even if you're not with the kids, mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer in something called, it's going off on a tangent, but sure. so, so what, it's my show. Um, <laughs> there's something called uh, net, which is no extra time. Right. So let's say um, it might be something that would be just for you to have nice comfort and something you enjoy, like a football podcast or, or this one, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, or alternatively, it might be, you know, something you're really into, a new hobby or something you want to learn about or a mentor or something that's really educational. And you can kill two birds with one stone. You can go out for that walk and and learn a lot in the meantime, even if, you know, it's later at night. Mm. I suppose there's a little, you know, it's not all about is it doing something massive which you associate with causing your pain. Because yeah. I, think, I think with this, one of the biggest problems with nutrition and exercise is that we associate pain do you know what I mean? So yeah. when you're talking about eating well, we associate that we're giving up, Greg's. Yeah. We're going to give up stuff that we really like that makes us feel good because all the blood rushes to our tummy sure. to do something that's going to be painful. We're going to have to go to the gym and do stuff that's not in 
enjoyable. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think that's one of the problems there. Yeah, I quite like that because I think that point there about diet is is really important for most people is that you don't have to give up a lot of the foods that you enjoy to be healthy. You know, like I'm going to throw a ballpark number out there, but, you know, an 80-20 approach, you know, 80%, you know, good, wholesome, healthful foods, 20% junk food. Most people could probably be pretty healthy if they were managing their energy balance quite well uh, with a diet set up like that which allows you to go and socialize with your friends and your family um, and also still enjoy the food you like, you know, because like carbs are ace, right? We all love carbs. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, I was speaking to someone the other day who was talking about, I won't name them on it in case I get sued, but a leading way of supposedly losing weight by using microwave meals, okay? And someone said to me, yeah, you might lose weight on it, but you probably have a heart attack. And I was like, what do you mean? And they went, have a look. They might be low in calories, mm. but have a look at the um, the fat levels. Have a look at the sugar content, the salt content to mm-hmm. it. Um, and it got me thinking. I was having a little look in the supermarket. You know, everyone doing the meal deal lunches. Yeah, sure. And wow, some of the sandwiches, they might not have the most calories in them, but like sugar, salt, fat, absolutely enormous. So it got me thinking, you could potentially, am I right in thinking, you could potentially have a calorie deficit, do one of these sandwiches in a supermarket at lunch and then you could heat up one of these microwave slimming type products at night and it might have a calorie deficit but surely if you're filling yourself with fat sugar and salt with as little as what i know you're not doing any good to your insides well yes in certain extent because potentially you're not getting quality nutrition so you're getting calorie dense food but not necessarily nutrient dense food but you know, you can choose wisely. And some of these foods are made very well. Like, for instance, I'm going to name drop M&S here, but they, they have a range called Fuller for Longer, or it was Balanced for You, I think. They were designed by a doctor from a university in Aberdeen. So they're well thought out ready meals. Um, now, these ready meals, they're not ultra processed foods, which are the, like the really damaging stuff, you know, like cakes, biscuits, um, ice cream, you know, all that sort of like, you know, really, really ultra processed, hyper palatable foods. You know, these foods are just ingredients put together. And yes, they've just got a shelf life, but you can absolutely be be healthy eating that sort of food. Um, but that's not necessarily something that you should encourage. Um, it should be, you know, a well-balanced diet uh, full of healthy whole foods as well. Um, but for some people, that'll be that'll fit their lifestyle and it'll fit their convenience and their budget. And therefore, it shouldn't be something that should be shamed. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Um, that's it for this week, everyone. Um, thank you, Jimmy, for being such a fantastic guest, and thank you for listening. Uh, if you want any further information, please get in touch with Jimmy and the team at primaltraining.co.uk. Again, I'd strongly recommend giving Jimmy a follow on Instagram, uh, where he puts up loads of fantastic content and information. Um, on next week's show, I'm really excited about this one. Um, I've robbed this title off Jimmy shamelessly. It is called Avenge the Nutribollocks. Um because that's what a lot of this nutrition stuff is, bollocks. Um, In the meantime, please share and spread the word about the MLC show. If you're listening on an Apple podcast, please hit us with a five-star review. And remember to check out the products and services at mylegalclub.co.uk. More importantly, stay well and take care. The Business Services Club is a unique business-to-business brokerage. When you need a service for your business or you want to compare your existing business, get in touch for free and no-obligation quotes. We have created a specialist panel of commercial partners to support your every business need. We will provide you with free and no obligation quotes via the Free to Access Business Services Club. As an example, you may need EL, PL or Professional Indemnity Insurance quotes 
forensic accountants, self-employed bookkeeping, funding, working capital, interest-only lending with no personal guarantees, employment and HR support, web development, training, legal advice, or even online marketing. No matter what you and your business require, we will meet your needs. Free up precious time researching and analyzing new or existing outsourced partners via our one-stop business solution. See how we can help you and your business via businessservicesclub.co.uk.